Hey everyone, welcome to Librarians Assemble, your premier audio resource for all things libraries and comics. I'm Josh Stone, and with me is... Angel here. That's right, and we are here to talk to you about comic books. But before Woo. we do that, Angel, what's going on? Um, I got a full night's rest last night, so Girl. my brain is prepared for today. Prior to that, I was on Team No Sleep for four days in a row. Team No Sleep. Yay, having a four-month-old. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, I can't. Super fun. <laughs> you know, I thought I had... <laughs> I thought I had problems sometimes when you told when you were telling me like your your adventures in no sleep I was like shit that's nothing. Oh yes. That's team no nothing. sleep is no team you want to be on. It is not. It is not indeed. So what else is going on? You read in in your adventures of no sleeping did you watch anything good, read anything good or just stare at the wall like a zombie? We bought um Killing Joke the movie, Ooh. the new movie. I was Which, not prepared to talk about this, but I have seen that movie. Oh, you have? Yes. yes. Okay, awesome. All right. I forgot so, to ask you about that prior to. So we can we can have a quick little conversation about that if you want. Would I would love to. Okay, so uh, because this is impromptu and neither of us plan to talk about this, I'm just going to go ahead and say spoiler alert now. Yeah. Because I am not going to be able to contain myself. Um so in three, two, one, you've now entered spoiler zone. So Angel, what did you think of uh, Batman: The Killing Joke, the movie? I, I really liked it. Oh, I know that the beginning part was a departure from the comic. It's not. Where... It's not only a departure from the comic. It's a departure from the characters as well. Oh yes, yes. I ignored that part of it, kind of. Um. Batgirl has never been my favorite character. <gasps> I fully admit that. Blasphemy. I know. I'm a horrible Blasphemy. person. I liked her when she became paralyzed. So... <laughs> That's so morbid. You know, I like my women to be paralyzed and stuck at a computer. That's how I like my my strong female characters. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I... That's a hot... By the way, that's a... I know you're not a, a library person like in the in the field um yes that that anti-batgirl stance you're on right now that's a hot take in the library world because she is right up there with wonder woman for librarians favorite female librarians favorite uh superhero really because because barbara she's a librarian yes isn't she yes all right, then. Because of her librarian background and the fact that Oracle is, like, the ultimate librarian. Well, see, and that's the thing. I love Oracle. Mm-hmm. I just am not a huge fan of Barbara Gordon as Batgirl. That's interesting. Okay, back on topic here. So, um, <laughs> I also am not a fan of Batgirl and Batman hooking up. I, okay. so it That sounds, bothered me. It sounds like what you're saying is the second half of the movie, that was actually the adaptation of Alan Moore's The Killing Joke. Yes. You you enjoyed? Yes, that part I enjoyed. And the first half you did not? The first half I choose to ignore. Okay. <laughs> that is very similar. And for those who happen to listen to my other podcast, Comic Flops, we haven't talked about this yet on that show, but it is something we are going to talk about. So uh, you get a little sneak peek now. <laughs> um, that is how my friend Nick, who is one of the hosts of Comic Flops, feels as well. Yes, I've met Nick. He's coming to the store. That's before. true. He, you when that's funny because as we were leaving the theater, because we went to see it in the theater actually, 
And when we were um, leaving, he had, I, I was talking about you in the podcast. He's like, oh, I met Angel. We went into the, to the store and we saw her and everything. It was funny. I was like, oh man, the worlds are coming together. Yes. Now we all need to do one <laughs> joint podcast. It was awesome. Um, yeah, Nick is a cool guy. Um, so that's kind of how he felt too. I think for me, and yes, I know it's ironic that I went to go see it in the theater. I'm not a big fan of the Killing Joke book to begin with. I don't think it holds up. I understand its relevance and importance at the time it came out. Mm-hmm. But I think in our modern age, I think it's a little a little dated and a, and a little a lot sexist. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I understand at the time it was one of those things that was pushing comics to a new level. So, like, I appreciate it for that level, for that for that reason. But for me, I could not get past the first half of the movie. Like, to the extent that I almost walked out of the movie. Yeah. After, really? after that scene, I was like, this is complete garbage. It was such garbage. And I can't deal with that. He's like her dad. I know. Not, and like, and I know, not love interests. I know they... In, in the movie, they did a decent job of... Uh, maybe decent is incorrect. They they attempted to establish the fact that she is an adult. I don't care. But <laughs> aesthetically, she still looked kind of young. Mm-hmm. And he, they made him look pretty old. Yep. So, like, from an aesthetic stance, it seemed really weird. But also from, like, a psychological standpoint, it was creepy. Because, like you were saying... He's her dad. Like yep. he's a stand-in for her dad. Like Jim Gordon is still her dad and she still has that dad relationship with him. But Batman is her her superhero dad. Exactly. Her her mentor. A protector. Her protector. Her teacher. Her exactly. all, all these things that he shouldn't take advantage of. And my primary problem with it is it's a huge departure for Batgirl. Mm-hmm. At no point, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the internet seems to be on my side here. At no point has she ever expressed a a um, not romantic, but a sexual interest in Batman. I'm sure there have been times no. where she's been like, maybe do I like do I love Bruce Wayne? Like, you know, like I'm sure somebody's done that story. Yeah, but. She's never been sexualized with Batman, and she's never been sexual with Batman. No, to my knowledge, no. So, the first travesty there is that they changed her character to make her fall for him in that way. That she can't possibly just be an independent woman who wants to learn how to fight crime and have a good teacher in Batman. But she has to muddy that water by... You know how girls are. They have to, you know, if they're interested in a guy, it turns into this. And yep. Secondly, and then they made her needy. They made her needy. They made her needy. They made her a cliche. Well, and they made her a cliche with her gay best friend, and which that, and that was a bit much. Also too. pissed me off. Yeah, that was that was a little like I I turned over to Nick at one point and I'm like, oh, did you get it yet? He's gay. Like <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Like. They, Did they throw it in your face like, enough? <laughs> I I don't know if you caught the subtlety there, but he's he's fun and he's gay like that. Like it was it was like <laughs> come on, chill out. Like it 
he's not he everybody doesn't need to be a stereotype there are layers everyone has layers everyone is not everyone is a character of what you think a certain person is going to be like exactly and the second thing i disliked about the sexual relationship is also a departure for batman like mm-hmm. one thing that's not being talked about and i'm not saying like oh this is a travesty they're not talking about what it does for the male character but they t- they took a character in backer who has a rich history and a rich history of being a mostly independent woman and a mostly strong female character in a world dominated by not strong female characters yeah and they also took batman who's a huge role model one of the world's most popular characters regardless of superhero genre and they changed him the batman of the comics would not do that exactly he would not have taken advantage of that role he has he would not have taken advantage of that situation and frankly batman probably doesn't really think about sex so like it was it was a departure for both of their characters for really no reason because i this... feel like because i feel like batman doesn't think about sex bruce wayne does yes and in that moment batman he wasn't does... bruce wayne exactly they've done a good job in all iterations of batman explaining the psychological divide between bruce wayne and batman that yep. when he has that costume on, Bruce Wayne does not exist. Exactly. So, to me, it was very hard to get past that. And it really tainted the movie going forward. I yep. didn't like it to begin with. I didn't really like her weird relationship with that that crime kid. Whatever, like the guy trying <laughs> to take, take over his uncle's mafia. Like... Yeah, I already thought that storyline was a bit odd. Much, but then to go and and do that with those two characters, I just it, I couldn't get past that. I'm like, no, yeah, this movie's shit. And and I wanted to like it because of because of everyone they brought back. They brought back Kevin Conroy for for Batman's voice. They brought back um, Mark Hamill for Joker's. Well, you know, like. Oh, it was so beautiful, Bruce though. Bruce Tim, Bruce Tim. When you Tim saw Joker a... come on the screen oh, and that great. voice came out, and I was just like, "Oh, thank you." Yeah, and then think of how much better that would have been if you didn't have to just sit through Batman and Batgirl having sex. Oh. Um. Bruce Tim was a producer on it. Yep. Brian Azzarello was was a, the writer of it. Like there were so many. How did he let that go, though? You know, I have to blame him a little for that. Yeah, you, like, how do you let that go? We have to blame him a lot for it. He was the writer. I I don't get it. I that doesn't seem on brand for Brian Azzarello. No. You know the the stories I've read from him have well rounded characters with nuance. And and this one had no nuance. There was no everyone was a one note character. Mm-hmm. Part of me wonders. Does Brian Azzarello maybe hate Alan Moore and <laughs> wanted to make fun of his his comic? <laughs> like Maybe? I don't I don't know because it was pretty it was pretty bad. It was bad. The adaptation of the actual book though was almost spot on. Yeah. It was it was almost an exact retelling of the book with very few 
with with very few uh, changes. So I mean, yeah. if from a purist standpoint, if you get about a half, you know, about half hour into the movie, the rest of that is almost shot for shot of uh, the actual book. The yeah. first half hour, it's complete hogwash. Oh, and damn, did they make those weird cherub, creepy oh, S and M so, things? I know, so creepy, so creepy. Every, all that whole fun house was so creepy. Ah, oh, because I'm not. I don't. I don't. I don't know if you remember this about me, but clowns petrify me. Oh, I'm not a big fan of clowns either. But like, not even like not a fan. Like mm. I, <laughs> I'm really genuinely like have a phobia about yeah. them, and like to the point that Chris made. Well, he used to make fun of me about it. He's trying to figure out how I can get over it at this point, but. <laughs> When we were dating, mm-hmm. his mom had was going through like mementos and stuff because they were moving, mm-hmm. and she pulls on this drawing that Chris did when he was like in first or second grade or something, and mm-hmm. they had like made out of like an accordion clown out of like five pieces of paper. Jesus! And I literally like started crying. <laughs> <laughs> Because she, like, she took it out and, like, shoved it at me. And it was just one of those, like, yeah. jarring things where I realized it's a paper drawing. I know. I know, but it just still, is, it, it, it does something yeah, weird. Yeah, it awakens something primal Ugh. in you and you, it Ugh. freaks your shit out. I hear exactly. you. I exactly. hear you. I used to be really, really terrified. I don't know really how I got over it. Like, I still don't really like to see them. But um, when I was younger, I was really scared of clowns. Yep. And I used to have a Jack in the Box. Oh my, no! And my mom says when I was young, I younger I'd play with it, and like, I'd do it like really, really slowly, and then when it would <laughs> pop out, I would strangle it. I was like, wow, that. And you didn't take me to like counseling or anything. She's like, no, I thought it was funny. I was like, that seems a bit excessive, but all right. So that's a fun fact about me. I used. Hey, to that's try... better than me. I probably would have gone screaming and crying in the other room. I used to try to murder a clown. Yep. Hey, well, a good clown. No, I shouldn't go there. I shouldn't say that. That's no, mean. That's that's. I'm glad you stopped <laughs> yourself. I'm already gonna have to edit the fact that my stepdaughter called me out of the podcast <laughs> for a re- ridiculously random story. Uh. Um. Oh, real quick, another thing about clowns. Did you did you hear about the clown motel out in like Nevada? Everybody has been sending me links to that yeah. thing. All right. Because <laughs> they all know I'm terrified of it. That's. I yeah. was trying to get. I was trying to get us to take a family vacation there, not too long. I will go nowhere near that place <laughs> ever. That's funny. All right. Like okay, you know my favorite. One of my favorite shows is Supernatural. Yep. yep. Right. There are two episodes which feature clowns as the big bad of the week. Mm-hmm. My love of Supernatural does not even trump my fear of clowns. I have skipped those episodes entirely. That's funny. I've watched Supernatural all ten seasons probably three or four times now. <laughs> but still And never I seen will those. not watch those two episodes. So, yeah. Yep. I, I, I hear you, man. Yep. If you, you got a phobia, you can't. <laughs> you, you can't, can't just give into it. You gotta, you gotta hide from it. That's how you deal with all your problems. Just exactly. hide from them, ignore them, <laughs> bury them deep inside, b- bottle them up, <laughs> and everything will be fine. That's what I was told. Exactly. That's how I was raised. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> You're not gonna snap one day and strangle a clown for real. 
that's not that's oh. not how the world works. Well, and Chris says my luck is going to be that Bucky is going to be, like, insanely in love with clowns. Oh, wouldn't that be hilarious? What if he grows up and wants to be a clown? Oh, my God. Well, and the thing is, a bunch of our friends from Tate's Uh are clowns. Like, legit went to clown college, Uh worked at, like, um, Wanadu City when it was around, like, Mm -hmm. when it was a thing. Yeah, like, they're legit clowns. That's funny. You're and they've so- offered to do clown, like sit me down, like when they're regular, and then slowly put on their clown makeup. I feel like, like that would be off, worse. Like, freak out. I feel like that would be worse. I, yeah. I feel exactly. like I would be more uncomfortable watching you transform into a clown than well, if you just. You're my friends, and I don't want to not like you because now I've seen you in clown makeup. Like I'd feel like it'd be better if like I saw you not as a clown, and then you disappeared for a half hour and then came back as a clown. And yeah. I'd be like, oh, cool, man, you transformed into a clown. But if I had to sit there and watch you put all the stuff on, I'd be like, dude, this is really intense. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I didn't, like, it would make me uncomfortable. Like, dude, your love for this is really intense. <laughs> like, this is taking a long time to transform into a clown. Like, you must be really passionate about this. Yep. Yep. Well, what are you going to do? I'm glad people have passions. I'm not, I'm not trying to knock people doing it. I'm just saying, like, I don't, I don't want to sit there and watch it. No. Like, by all means, do what you want to do. I want to see the finished product. I don't want to see you transform. <laughs> I don't want to see it. I'm all about finished products. I'm not about the journey. Yes. <laughs> I hate the journey. <laughs> um, can I have, does that mean I can just have a five-year-old, like, tomorrow? Is that how that can work? I, you know. Skip toddlerhood? <laughs> I don't blame you for wanting to. In the slightest, man. Oh. Oh, God. I love him. I do. I, I know. Him. We know you do. We know you do. Okay, so the, to- anyway. the topic we came here to talk about today <laughs> was not the killing joke or clowns. Those were just added bonuses. <laughs> and that's what you can find more the stuff Tangents like of Josh and Angel. Yeah, you can find more of that on Librarians Assemble. You know, the premier audio resource for all things libraries and comics and clowns and grocery stores and... <laughs> sandals. <laughs> and sandals. All the sandals. And toddler stories you know that's that's this is the place you come for all that exactly what we came here also to talk about was print versus digital comics i know digital comics have been a thing for quite some time now and it's really though has only been the past couple years that they've actually started taking a noticeable foothold in the market and both in the the uh Retail market, there's the word I'm looking for, in the retail market and in the library market. And since Angel has bucos of retail experience behind her, and I have what appears, what is, I'm slowly learning my entire life of library experience behind me. Have <laughs> you, did you notice, real quick, did you notice on social media the past couple weeks there's been that hashtag, my first seven jobs or something like that? Yes. Have you seen that? I couldn't participate, I realized, because I only have one other job, and it was just working with my uncle, doing, like, <laughs> handyman work. Everything else I've ever done has been libraries. Like my That's kind o- of awesome, though. My only actual experience in the work field has been libraries. So, like, I'm like, man, this would be one boring-ass t- tweet. My first seven jobs. Library, 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 library. Damn. So, yeah. Yeah, just- mine was camp counselor yeah and then cooking and cooking and cooking and cooking and cooking and cooking and And then you got your ass into comic book retail 
Yes. So we're going to use your experience with comic book retail and my experience with library collection development. And we're going to talk about digital versus print comics. But before we do that, let's talk about our, our preferences as consumers, as readers of this medium. What do we prefer? Angel, how do you feel? I know that I... you have experience with both. Unbiased as a retailer, my personal consumer preference, I think, will always be physical because mm. um, it's it's kind of a, I don't know, it's it's what I've always done, I mm-hmm. guess, is the best way to say it. You know, it's I have my long boxes. I have them, you know, categorized and labeled and all that kind of stuff and I like seeing my collection before me yeah. you know it's it's. I can go back and pull whichever issue I want to read I don't have a ton of collectible ones mm-hmm. but you know the ones well, that I do have we grew up in a time where that, that market devalued itself too yeah oh yeah but I just I like I don't know I'm a weirdo I like having the the book in my hands mm-hmm. and Comic books have a certain smell to them the way old books do. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy that. So and I he- and I I know exactly where you're coming from and that's what I hear from like a majority of the people I know in in comics. Mhm. I over the past I'd say year, I'd say I'd say I've been back into comics now as as a reader for probably 3 to 3 to 4 years maybe. Uh-huh. For a while there, I, I wasn't really paying attention to any of it for mm-hmm. a couple years. And when I got back into comics, I got back in with the physicals. I got the the physical books. I got some trades, but I really got into buying monthlies again. Yeah. And I enjoyed it until, like, I missed a couple weeks. And they kind of piled up. And then, like... I moved a couple times and I had to carry all these long boxes with me. <laughs> and then I realized, God, I've been collecting these things since I was like six. Yep. I have a lot of them. We have a, a family. We have spatial needs in our lives. And yes. I'd say about a year ago or so, I'd say probably around the same time I started this podcast. So just over a year ago, I started reading them on the iPad. I got an iPad and I I got a Comixology um account and I also started getting some from my local library and I quickly fell in love with digital comics. I didn't miss holding them cuz there's a part of me when I hold there's a part of me that is like a a comic collector and that's the part of me that I need to kill because that part of me doesn't really want to read the books. Like I hold them and I feel like, Oh, my fingerprints are sweaty. My fingertips are sweaty. (laughs) They're, they're going to, see. I never had that. I I just felt like I was damaging the book in some way. And I didn't like holding it and they felt flimsy in my hand and I felt like something was going to go wrong or like, I, I, I love the feel of a comic in my hand, but it, it awakens in me that weird, OCD collector 
the mm-hmm. same part like I am so happy some of my happiest moments involve just listening to music and putting uh, putting comic books into board you know boards and sleeves yes and then putting them into a long box I'm like oh this is gonna be my Spider-Man box this is gonna be my X-Men box this is gonna be my DC box it's gonna be my image box you know like you know, that's also the librarian in me. I want to catalog all of them. I want to put them mm-hmm. in a particular order. And I can't I can't do that in my life at this point. Like I'm at a point in my life where like I don't I can't have that. Like I will obsess over it and I'll waste a lot of money on it for no reason. Yeah. And what I've come to learn is or come to enjoy with digitals is that I can have all of the content I want. And I can buy it and I can still spend the money I would have spent and I can own it and it takes up no room in my house. And I don't <laughs> have to worry about fires. I don't have to worry about, you know, like I don't have to worry about lugging them upstairs and downstairs when I move to places or mm-hmm. anything like that. And I I can read the I can read the stories and I feel like I enjoy them more when I'm not when that OCD part of my brain isn't kicked on and yeah. I'm actually enjoying the story and I'm enjoying the the art way more than I ever did yeah so for me as as a reader and as a consumer I am like 100% all in with digital comics now yeah to the point I've, where like see, I don't I, want to buy a physical one. Again. I never bought physical comics for the collector value. Mm-hmm. I always bought them because I enjoyed them and I wanted to read them. And you know, wasn't ooh, is this you know? Yeah, and I, I X Men going to be worth money later on? So I it was. Never always, I never really cared really either. But there was something like when I say like collectors value them, like I don't really mean like I'm going to turn around and sell these. Yeah, because I grew up like like we just joked about. We grew up in a time where Marvel and DC and Wild and Wildstorm and Image and all these places were trying to convince us that like, oh, these are all going to be worth something one day. Like we live, we live in a, a like, look, we're going to put this cool cover on it, and this cover is going. But they also sold like a million of them, so exactly. they devalued themselves like instantly. And I knew that as a kid. Like, I could see that happening as a kid. Plus, I had people in my life who were actual collectors. So they would be like, no, this is this is not how it works. Like, what drives up the price isn't the fact that everyone's buying it. What drives up the price is its rarity. So I knew that most of my comics were worthless. But for me, like, from my own collector standpoint, like, I want my collection to be pristine and in a certain order. Like, that's that's the OCD part of me that's like... No, no, they have to be in perfect condition. Yeah. And, like, I, I just can't do... I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Like, I miss sitting around bagging and boarding comics, but not that much, you know? Like, <laughs> not enough that I'm like, oh, I should go to the comic shop and just buy a shit ton of books that I'm going to have to lug around with me for the rest of my life. Yes. Because I'll never get rid of them. I will never... The ones I have now, the collection that I have now... I don't foresee a time in my life where I'm going to be like, yes, let's get rid of these. Because that OCD part of me still exists. I still have that in me. So, like, the ones I do have now, they're 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 my sweet baby angels, and they're not going anywhere. So, yes. Which is how I end up, well, Chris and I have ended up with 
14 long boxes now Oof, god almighty <laughs> yeah i luckily there was that time in my life where i stopped collecting so i don't i don't have as many yep and i also have a sizable chunk at my mom's house thanks mom um so there's that so that's where i come from as as a reader now i know there are other people out there who who feel differently and um our friend friend of the show monty He's a librarian who's been on the show. He works down in Miami. He sent me some notes. And I'm going to just read real quick before we actually... Some of some of his points. Before we get into talking about our experiences as professionals in this medium. Yes. So, Monty, when he's talking... For print, some of his prose is... He loves the actual physical books from a collectible standpoint kind of like we were saying kind of like you were saying he loves watching his collection grow and filling up several long boxes he also likes the graphic novels he likes the the way graphic novels are bound and how they look and how they fit nicely on your bookshelf yes which is something i i 100 agree with um financially he feels like it's it's much better print wise to buy the graphic novel Versus the monthlies, which also makes sense. You can get way, you know, you for like twenty dollars, you get an entire like sometimes like ten issues for you know like half of you know what you would pay if you're buying the monthlies. Some of the things he doesn't like though is if you're a true collector, which is kind of where you thought I was going. True collectors will end up buying multiple copies, one to read, one to keep sealed away that they'll never they'll never read and they'll never touch and that just kind of really messes up your your collection and then you know prices the price points is a big issue both in print and in digital is that you have books sometimes 27 pages if not if not less sometimes ranging from like three to five dollars and when you're doing that several books every week that really does add up pretty quickly oh yeah so like from a from a standpoint of monthlies versus graphic novels both in print and in in um digital it does you know it does make sense if from a financial standpoint to go toward the graphic novels i understand that the publishing side of comics hasn't quite caught up to that and they really do base their decisions as far as what series gets picked up, which series get renewed, which which creators get new contracts and all that fun stuff really does hinge more on the monthly sales than the graphic novel sales, which seems like they should be redoing that model in this day and age. But if you do support a book, and I know we've said it on this show before, and I'm sure many of your favorite comic creators have have yelled at you about this on Twitter. If you do support a book, pre-order it at your local comic shop because that is the best way for the publishers to know how many people are actually interested in these books. And I'm sure Angel can tell you all about that. Yes. Um, Some other things Monty said is some of the cons we're finding in the digital world right now, which we'll probably talk about very soon, 
is there a lot of monthly fees now with some comics like everyone who listens to the show knows that i'm um a marvel unlimited subscriber and i love my marvel unlimited subscription but it ain't cheap i mean it's what 69 dollars for the whole year if you buy it at one pop or i think it's like 10 dollars a month if you decide you don't want you're not going to have it for the whole year and you want to do a monthly payment so i mean it ain't it's not cheap from that standpoint i mean you might get your money's worth but then a point that I was I was going to make at one point, and Monty also makes in his notes, is that you don't own it. Much like Netflix, the things like um, Comixology's new subscription thing, which I think is also called Comixology Unlimited, and Marvel Unlimited, are great services that you pay kind of like a Netflix setup for. You, you buy it, you spend money every month on it, and you get an unlimited number of of books but you don't own those books and those books can go away at any time whenever you're not a member of whenever you're not a subscriber to those services anymore you lose access to that content and you're you don't you don't have as much control over it so those are some pros and cons from a reader standpoint do you have do you have anything you'd like to add about anything i said there um, my notes of pros and cons. Are we going with digital? Either one. Either one. We're just okay. still kind of wrapping up them from more of like a consumer standpoint. Consumer standpoint. Um, with digital, you're gonna get less of the like printing errors because don't get me wrong, I love my physical books, but occasionally in the store we will get ones that have like two page nines. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Or, like, we got a whole shipment last time um, where I think it was, like, 40 were had no staples. Oh, Jesus. And then the rest of that issue all had one staple at the top, and that was it. So you don't run into that with digital. <laughs> just as a side, just as, like, for my own curiosity, what happens in that situation? Do they you all guys... go back to Diamond. Oh, I was going to say, you guys don't have to eat that, right? No, we okay. strip the covers and send them back to Diamond. Okay. Yep. Diamond has to... Well, and then that's the thing is, then I have none of that issue but to yeah, I mean, the, my customers yeah, on my... Yeah, like, the, the great thing is you guys aren't... You don't have to pay for that, but the bad no. thing is you got a bunch of customers who either pre-ordered them or were hoping to pick them up on that Wednesday, and now they can't... Yep, and now you got to wait. So... But, um, and what else did I have written down? Um, it's, the digitals are fast to get. Like, you, they're convenient. You can do it at home. You don't mm-hmm. have to leave your house on Wednesday morning. You, in your pajamas, you can, you know, download the new issues. I ain't gonna lie. I do it all the time. <laughs> but for me, the, the physical part of it as a consumer, mm-hmm. Even before I worked at Tate's, I loved being able to go in on Wednesday morning or at some point on Wednesday and talk to the employees at the places that I used to go to and talk to the customers and, you know, chat about the books of last week and what we're looking forward to this week. Because I'm a nerd and I like Mm -hmm. interaction. (laughs) I like interaction with the people who like the things I like. So... Um, I, I agree, and I've always been a strong advocate for people visiting their their local comic shop because I want to support 
local businesses, especially businesses that cater to things that I'm interested in, and especially businesses that give people a place to feel like they can be themselves. And that's one thing that you can't replicate. And that's the one thing that comic shops and physical comic books have going for them is that broader sense of community. Mm-hmm. That you belong and you can see face to face and you can make friends and you can belong to a community of like-minded individuals. I am not in a place in my life anymore where I feel like I, I need that, which is probably one of the reasons I'm 100% behind digital comics as for myself. Like, you know, I know all my nerd friends. I have a strong strong ties in my own little nerd community and I, I'm comfortable. Yeah. And I've also never been comfortable in the local comic shop because unfortunately I grew up somewhere where our local comic shop was kind of a stereotypical local com- like comic shop where you had like your uber nerds who kind of looked down on people and I never really felt comfortable in comic shops. And I didn't. I'm familiar with said comic shop. Yes, and we're not going to name names because not not everything about them is bad, and not everybody who works there is bad. No. Um. But that's what I grew up with. I did have a local comic shop for a very short period of time, where I did feel very comfortable, and it was run by a retired couple, and they just loved comics and they loved collectibles and they. This was back when Pogs were huge, and they would have Pog tournaments every Saturday, and they were really a part of their little community. And then they got shut down by the other comic shop I was just mentioning. Um, And, like, for me, I never had that sense of community. And when Tate's, when I discovered Tate's further south of us, and when you guys opened up at your location closer to me I feel more connected like I know I don't know anyone there really that well I you know because I don't get there as often as I want to but when I do go there I do feel like I can talk to people even if I don't know them and I don't feel like they're going to be real jerks about it exactly and I want kids and young adults and adults of all ages I I really want people to have a better experience coming into comics than I did. Like I was lucky because I was I had a mom who supported literacy in any any way it came. So the fact that I was into comics didn't bother her and she would help me get them however. So like I said last episode, you know, I got a lot of my comics through the mail because we didn't really like going to the comic shop you know like yeah and as a single mom we didn't really always have a, we didn't always have a lot of time yeah to, exactly. go to, the, to the local comic shop too so like i never i never grew up with that i never grew up with a comic a comic shop as my bedrock of anything so i comics to me like i was always an outsider you know like they were always the ultimate outside outsider thing because i didn't really know anyone who read comics for a very long time. Yeah. So I don't really know where I was going with that anymore, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't, I, I guess where I was going is I don't want this conversation to be 
listen, I support digital comics, which means I don't support local comic shops because that is not at all how I feel. No. And I hope anyone who's listened to this show at any point in their lives know that that's not how I feel. Even if you don't buy comics from your local comic shop, there are a hundred other reasons to go there. They have other collectibles. They have other books. They have other things. And they also have a lot of cool events you can go and support. So Free comic book day is every year. And, and even awesome. Yeah, and even things that aren't free comic book day related. Every library, like you, or library, every comic shop, like you guys have your not at Comic Con. Every everyone does something like that now, or they have card games they play, or they have board game night, or they have this, that, or the other, or a movie night, or things like that. There, there are other ways to support and finance both, meant both um, psychologically and financially support your local comic shops and just because i get all of mine digitally now doesn't mean i don't support them so that that that's not where we're going with this any and in this conversation so get off get off me people so (laughs) stop writing that tweet all right jeez okay so from a from more of a uh, professional end of it from a non-consumer end of it how do digital comics affect you on a retail level it's not i mean there has definitely been an impact mm-hmm. in buying um but you don't see my mug every wednesday that's fortunately a- for us it hasn't impacted us too mm-hmm. much um partially cuz i think we have such a loyal fan base of customers mm-hmm. and I mean, we do subscriptions services at Tate's, yeah. and I mean, most local comic book shops do check it. Check your local comic book shop. Um, most of them will offer subscriptions, so that you can also get a discount that way. Yeah. Like if you have a subscription service with Tate's, you get ten percent off your total mm-hmm. of not just comics that are on your list, but any brand new comic that came out that you want to try out. Mm-hmm. As long as it's not bagged and boarded in back issues, you mm-hmm. get your discount. Because we want you to try new stuff and see if you like it. And so for us, it has the digital part hasn't impacted that. The way the digital has impacted is that um, DC and Marvel are actually both trying to get people to get digital copies. Mm-hmm. So there, um, especially recently, have been books that they release um, a, compa- a digital companion code mm-hmm. with the book. So when you purchase the in-store copy, you can go home to your iPad or your computer and download the digital one to your computer Mm -hmm. for free because it's purchased with your physical book. Yes. And so I think that's their way of trying to get collectors Mm -hmm. so that you don't have to buy three copies of one book and buy one for keeping Mm -hmm. or one for keeping and one for for selling and then have your digital copy. Mm. Um, so fortunately that hasn't been too much of an impact and some of the more indie titles have not jumped on the digital bandwagon yet or if they are they're doing it very slowly and you're they're not up to date so that's I mean there are some of the more off-brand ones that you can still only get at your local comic book shop mm-hmm. so and for us, especially at Tate's, we do um, we try to have a stock of local artists' comics. Yes. So those are ones you can't get on digital. 
those, you have to come to the store and you need to support your local artists and you need to, you know, it's not just a local comic shop at that point. It's helping your local artists gain yeah. a follow. Mm-hmm. So. Which, you know, is just a great way for them to build their resume. And if you really like their, their work by supporting them on that local level, you yep. can then help propel them to the more national level. So Exactly. Because you hashtag, you tweet, you mm-hmm. go on Facebook. And just by buying it, they can prove. People want to read. Yeah, I mean, all the hashtags in the world are great, but if there's a, if there's you know a paper trail behind them, that's even better. Exactly. Money, money talks, as they say. Um, yeah, I, I, I see, I see that, and I've noticed that too when I was getting physical comics, that a lot of them would come with little codes where like, get your digital version yeah but um i have i i guess it dawned on me while we were talking how has dc especially has been doing this they're what they i think they call them digital first yeah stuff like wonder woman 77 um god what was the other one they did uh not gotham sirens but kind of the one they had one with batwoman in it i can't remember it was mostly a digital book but they and like the Flash TV show was a digital yeah. comic. The Green Arrow was a digital comic. How has that impacted? Do do you get many people coming in looking for looking for them, not realizing they're digital comics right now, or not really? Yeah. And they've put out said comics as yeah. trades. So, it, I mean. Even for the couple of months we didn't have it, then we do have it, and it's in a trade, and it's done, and here you go. How are the sales, like, from what you can remember, I know you don't have sales figures in front of you, but how are the sales generally on those digital first that then get printed? They have, I mean, it's not, again, it's one of those things that it's, everybody has their favorites. So, the Flash fans are all going to want to buy the Flash and if they don't have it on digital, they've heard about it online because they're they're Flash fans. Mm-hmm. So they've read about it online, but maybe they didn't want to make the commitment to buy the digital ones. So they they definitely we had we had definitely had people waiting. I remember for the Flash trade. Mm. I don't remember so many people waiting for the Green Arrow one. I can't blame them. But we did have I think two or three people waiting for the Flash trade when it came out because I remember we got a stack a healthy stack of trades in for that. Because usually we only get like three, maybe four mm-hmm. when trades come out. So at the Boynton store, at the main store, we obviously get more than that. Yeah, but. you guys get way more. Okay, so that's interesting. I, I was always kind of curious about how they, especially those. So in a way, it helped us, in. you know. Yeah. From a library perspective. Libraries carry most libraries, I should say. Um, and um, for a majority of what I'm about to say, obviously, I'm speaking from personal experience. So, if your library does not qualify for what I'm saying or does not meet the same stuff I'm saying, I apologize. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to belittle your library. I'm just talking about from what my experience is. So, it's been my experience that most libraries now, especially like literally right now like this part of 2016 carry both in some form so libraries for years now have carried physical graphic novels 
and they've been at most most places I've ever worked and most people who've ever been a guest on this show have always said that they are one of the highest circulating items they have one of the most checked out items they have yeah we also now I know my library does and I know a lot of other libraries are following suit have access to digital comics and for me I think it's a great a great thing for libraries to do. One, is it on Overdrive? They There are several different platforms, and I'll, I'm going to talk about the platforms in a second. Okay. Um, so for the physical graphic novels in libraries, I think it's great because it's a, a really easy way for kids especially or people who are new to graphic novels. You, you could be older, but people who are new to the to the medium it's a really easy way for them to discover it because they they can just go into their library and just kind of walk into that area and see all of them and pick a couple that they want to try and then just walk out and check them out check them out first and then walk out don't steal them um i think it's really good i think it's a great way for librarians to build around i think a lot of people have made great displays just recently, I retweeted it on the Librarians Assemble Twitter. Uh, one of one of the librarians I follow on Twitter, she made a great display of powerful female superhero um, graphic novels, and she had great oh, titles. Cool. Yeah, she had great titles up there. A cute little flyer. So, like, it's a great way for libraries to advertise that they have these things that people are interested in. It's a great way for us to market ourselves as being a relevant place, not just a stuffy place filled with books you have to read for school. We also have stuff you want to read for fun. And again, I think it's great for patrons to be able to discover them too by just walking in. And then as we've found out in over the year of Librarians Assemble being a podcast, there are many librarians across this country that are obsessed with comics. And for for patrons to be able to go into their local library and ask a local librarian, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of interested in, in superhero comics. You know, I've been seeing these movies. Do you know which ones would be good? And then we know now how many librarians can answer that question with, oh, yeah, <laughs> I can spend the rest of the day helping you if that's what you want. <laughs> you know, yes. like, so I think all of that, all of that stuff we have going for us right now is, is great. And I think physical graphic novels make that a much more personal connection, just like with the the local comic shops. You have that personal connection. And a lot of librarians are doing great programs around graphic novels. Monty was on, you know, who gave us those notes. He did a great comic book convention. He's also done, like, make-your-own comic programs We've had other people on who That's also, awesome. yeah, we've had other people on who've done also, you know, a lot of a lot of great programs. From my experience, I've done graphic novel book clubs. I've done I've you know, my library has participated in PalmCon every single year. It's a great way for us to get out there and interact with the comic book loving people in our community. So physical graphic novels go a long way in helping the library libraries reach their community especially that community within your community so i'm all for us continuing to buy graphic novels and print i 
do that for my library. I actually buy those. So I, I dig it, and I think it's great. The downside is shelving. Because we live in an age where there's so much content being produced and libraries feel the pressure to have it because their their patrons want it and we want to give them what they want. We have such limited shelving. Like, you know, there's just there's only so much physical space in our building. So graphic novels for as small as they are, they can take up so much room because we will buy a lot of them because of how popular popular they are. And the biggest culprit here are the manga titles. Oh, yeah. Manga titles can be thicker, and they have like 70 volumes to them. <laughs> so, well, and they're also pretty quick reads most of the time. Yeah. So, I mean, with these manga titles, they can eat up a couple shelves on their own. Just, just fruits baskets alone will take up like three shelves at some places. So, from a space limitation, a lot of libraries are are kind of hitting hitting a brick wall because they want to provide them. I know they do. And even even the librarians who are like, these graphic novels, they just take up too much room. Um, they want to provide them because they know the patrons want them. But when you're also like, I, I can't provide other stuff you want because I have no room for it now. It's, it's really frustrating. So digital comics... Uh, have really helped alleviate some of that but i think where digital comics for libraries really excels is reaching a part of the community that doesn't necessarily need or want to come into the library but still wants to get content from the library for free so by by having these services that they can use they'll still need a library card to access it so they'll still have to give us that kind of that kind of hit that kind of that kind of uh statistic we're still we're still demonstrating our value by by getting these patrons to have library cards and then they're able to access just a wealth of information both through you know all of our electronic databases and all that fun stuff but also our electronic services our e-services as most places call them so most people are familiar now that libraries have ebooks and e-audiobooks. But what people are still surprised to learn is that a lot of libraries have digital comics now. And there are many different platforms out there for them. I th- I am going to start with the one I think is the best. And that's Hoopla. Hoopla, hoopla. is Hoopla. What's all that Hoopla? And I think you used Hoopla. I think we used Hoopla when we read um iZombie, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yeah. So Hoopla is a library service that allows people to stream movies, music, ebooks, audiobooks, and then just recently, probably within the last year or so, they've gotten they started with an exclusive contract for DC comics and it kind of um it kind of expanded from there. Hoopla, I think by far is the easiest to use and has the best collection and it's probably available in most and more libraries than the other services hoopla has just they have a lot of graphic novel choices but they also have single issues 
as well from you know some of the smaller publishers like like Boom and 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 IDW and stuff like that. And I meant to have this queued up earlier, so one second. <laughs> but um, Hoopla is is really good, and most places let you check out about seven or twelve titles a month. You get them for about a month, and you can read it. And a lot of them, and a lot of famous graphic novels too. Like we were talking about the Killing Joke a little bit ago. You can get that for free through Hoopla. They have basically all of the the classic. DC books and now that doesn't want to download <laughs> rats anyway I was gonna I had a list here from my my hoopla contact here we go because I, I work in collection development now so some of the the publishers that hoopla has agreements with DC Dark Horse IDW Image and Disney Comics are the are the the five really big ones but they also have Archie Comics, Boom Studios. I'm trying to figure, see it. What else is on this list that is really Tokyo Pop, Vertigo, obviously because of DC, um, Aspen. If anybody still cares about that, um, so they have really great content from really great providers. And so for some of the big ones like Image, Dark Horse, and, and DC, they only do graphic novels. And there's an embargo on a lot of these, and it kind of varies by by publisher. So, like, some of the publishers, you know, it might be a three- to six-month embargo of when a new thing comes out versus when you can get it on the digital platform. But for others, I just discovered, like, um, who publishes Giant Days? Now I forget. Giant Days is... IDW, is that Giant Days? Yes. I want to say it is. Yeah. So that one, like, I'll just use that as an example. So ID, IDW did, um, or I think it's ID does Giant Days. I checked Hoopla right before we started this, and the latest issue of Boom. Damn, I knew it was Boom. Boom publishes Giant Days. Boom. Not Kaboom, but Boom. So they publish Giant Days. You can get the first volume of giant days on hoopla or you can get the single issues and the latest one they have on hoopla is giant days number 16 giant days number 16 was released on july 6th of this year so that's not i mean that's a better turnaround time than marvel gives you when you're paying them i have a a six month embargo with marvel unlimited i mean july 8th was literally a month ago so that's a pretty good turnaround time the um the nice thing about hoopla for for librarians because you know this is it's been a while since i've like talked directly to librarians on this podcast um for for libraries who don't have hoopla and are considering it one of the nice things about it from a collection development standpoint is you don't do anything hoopla has what they have it's kind of like Netflix. You I, you don't have to curate any content. You don't have to make any decisions. You just give them money and you have access to their service. And you have access to all those things I just said. You don't have to say, well, my library wants Killing Joke and Spawn and the Preacher series. You don't have to figure out which ones are going to be popular. They, you just You have access to their entire collection. 
So I, it's really simple to use um, for patrons, and it's really simple to use as a library employee. Now, with digital comics, though, it gets it gets real tricky with um, with libraries because, like you just mentioned a minute ago, Overdrive. Overdrive is by far one of the most popular ebook and e audiobook services that libraries have. But their graphic novel selection is kind of kind of limiting because they only offer them in certain formats. So they're only available on certain devices. Like like a Kindle Fire or if you have a good tablet that can read that has a good web browser. So, like, if you're using something like an iPad or, like, a Samsung Galaxy or, or, you know, an upper echelon tablet and you have a good built-in browser on your on your tablet, then OverDrive provides just fine graphic novels. And they have mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, a lot of new content from, like, Tokyopop and um, Viz. Viz is the one, not Tokyopop, Viz. And they also have Boom Studios and, and Dark Horse and stuff like that. Um but the downside is for me and one of the reasons i haven't explored that for my from from my library is because a lot of patrons don't have great tablets you know so like yeah. you're kind of limiting them to a shoddy experience so if overdrive moves into a, a different direction or their app their built-in app can gets an up upgrade and can actually support these things in a better way then i think overdrive will be a great way to go another service out there is called comics plus they're mm-hmm. from um recorded books recorded books is the one who, who owns that they're a big audiobook publisher and distributor they're another really good choice it works a lot like hoopla you pay them money and you get access to content you don't really have to with overdrive you have to pick which ones you want in your collection with comic plus you just you just subscribe as a library you set aside money and you subscribe to it and your patrons get access to it and they uh, they when i was talking to them last and i have i i can't validate this information i don't know if the information i got is correct or not because my library doesn't have comics plus at this point because there's not there's not a big there's not a market difference between comics plus or hoopla mm-hmm. selection so i i haven't decided you know i i don't think we need to duplicate it right yet but if you're in the market for one or the other it might it might benefit you but recorded books tells me that they have a 3 month embargo with many of their publishers which is kind of better than you'll find anywhere i was very surprised and i i don't think hoopla has a better embargo with with the other publishers outside of Boom. Like, I feel like if I were to go searching around their single issues, if it's not a Boom or Kaboom Studios, I, I think it's going to be probably closer to a six month wait. So, that's something to keep in mind. So, the the benefit to these is we have all these digital services that we can provide our patrons, and they can get access to all these comics for free wherever they are whenever they want to the downside is it took me what was that like 20 minutes mm-hmm. to explain all of the different things we have <laughs> so there are a lot of different choices out there in in the retail world you pretty much have amazon and comiXology 
as far as your your big providers of of digital comics and at this point amazon and comiXology are one company so that's it i mean there's not a whole lot of competition for comiXology out there other than dc comics i mean dc comics actually sells their comics through comiXology like if you go on dc comics website and you want to buy a digital comic you're buying it from dc but you're kind of buying it from a version of comiXology like they're using comiXology's technology but branding it with dc and then your books are automatically in your comiXology account so there's really not a whole lot of of competition out there in the retail world for digital comics in the library world it's almost like there's nothing but competition so on one hand that's really good that's good for business competition in you know in in our capitalist society competition is great for the consumer but too much competition is convoluted for the for the consumer so if we if we as libraries like oh yeah we have this app for this or this app for that and if you want that then you have to get this app like it can be kind of kind of unnerving especially for non-digital natives non you know like your older patrons or well it could be daunting to try and yeah figure out all that nonsense yeah so i think you know as a collection development librarian i and a lover of comic books i love all of this technology that we have right now and how easy it is for me to get comic books to our patrons Mm -hmm. and for myself obviously as well so I think it's great. I think digital comics are great. And I think this, the current atmosphere for digital comics and libraries, I think, is almost better than what they have in the retail side. Because though you can't get the latest of the DC Rebirth, you can still get just copious amounts of comics through Hoopla or Comics Plus or... If your library does have Overdrive comics, you can do that. There are so many choices out there to get digital comics through your library. And just such great choices as well. Like, if you want to know more about DC Rebirth, they have all of the comics that led up to Flashpoint. They have the Flashpoint books. This is Hoopla. They have a lot of the New 52 books. So you can catch yourself up for free really quickly with with a service like Hoopla much faster and much easier than you could you know buying them digitally so I think digital comics are great and I 100% support them and I 100% support libraries getting more access to them so if if your library does have access to them make sure you're promoting that you know if you if you get if you have a hoopla subscription or you have a comics plus subscription or anything like that there is marketing material out there that you you should definitely get into and and put it up in your graphic novel collection your physical graphic novel collection so that people know that they can go online and get these things if you don't if you don't if you're not marketing them you're kind of wasting your money by subscribing to them mm-hmm. so that's kind of my stance on that and now I don't really know how to wrap this up. <laughs> um, so how do you feel? Anything we left out? Anything else you want to talk about with digital or 
or print? Um, a lot of digital comics have what they call action view. Have you used that before? I want to. I've not. Okay, I hate it. <laughs> like, I guess that's the my one, my one critique of digital comics. Comicsology has it. Hoopla has it. It's basically a thing for those who don't know. It's basically a feature on digital comics where you can double, you know, double click if you will, or double tap the screen on a certain panel, and it blows that panel up. And then you can navigate like balloon by balloon by panel by panel. It's like they call it action. I used that on accident and I hated it. Right? It's the worst. And I don't know if it's because I grew up reading comics that like. I just, I don't need you telling me how to read it. Exactly. (laughs) I imagine it's great for people who are new to comics and don't quite understand how the flow of the panel works. But for me, it was really cumbersome and Mm -hmm. it and it also like distorts the image like the image get the image quality isn't great when you do that like i got bad news for you zooming in on anything is not a good idea Mm -mm. so so i'd be interested if you if you've made it through this podcast and you and you have feelings for action view i'd be interested to know how what those are because i i feel like i might I feel like Angel and I are in the minority here, based just based on the fact that every time I turn around, somebody's promoting it. You know, like, oh, now with more, now with action view, now with, you know, nope. easy reading technology. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, that's not, that's not how I like it. That's easy. Yeah, there's nothing about that that's easy, the man. Hell out of me for a good ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to my book? <laughs> I was like, how the hell do I get back to the regular page? <laughs> And I guess real quick, one other thing. Um, I am still a Marvel Unlimited subscriber. For a hot minute, I wasn't. I had to email them and be like, yo, what happened? I saw I, I saw, I paid for it. Why isn't it here? So Marvel Unlimited helped me out. And I am still a Marvel Unlimited subscriber. I, I, like, I like it a lot because it gives me access to a bunch of stuff I missed over the years. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, especially with my, my superheroes... I don't need to be like 100% up to date. I'm really fine waiting the six months and just catching up then. So I think Marvel Unlimited is if you're if you're a fan of Marvel and you don't need to know exactly what's happening in Marvel right when it's happening. I think it I think it's a pretty good investment. You use Marvel Unlimited well when we're foolishly involved in our X Men <laughs> Age of Apocalypse endeavor. What was your feelings for it? How did you like it? I liked it again until all of a sudden it had me doing action. You got stuck in the action. (laughs) (laughs) But I did. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed on your account. I've perused it a bit since then. (laughs) Uh, No, I haven't really noticed. (laughs) I've read a couple of them that I haven't been able to get to go to the store to look at Mm -hmm. and stuff. Well, so. my account my account's active again, so if you guys need to hop on there, Woot. you're more welcome to. <laughs> By the way, Marvel, if you're listening, that's not something we we do. We're no. just we're just joking. No. Exactly. We're just joking, Marvel. Exactly. Netflix, I hope you're not listening because I do that with you. I don't. Netflix, I'm I'm on the clear <laughs> on this one. Netflix, I pay for mine. No, I I I would never do that. It's wrong and bad. It's wrong and immoral and shame on you people. Uh, for shame. For shame. Uh, All right. But no, I I enjoyed what I did see. 
Um, and I did like um, being able to literally search in the search bar and have what I wanted right there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was nice to not have to dig through 80 of my long boxes to try and figure out where the hell I have, you know, whatever. I don't even remember what it was I was looking for. I think it was the Deadpool wedding issue. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, which is just as ridiculous in digital as it is in print. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I'm excited. I think um, <laughs> I'm going to go. There's been a lot of talk about the new Ghost Rider. Now that goes the the new creation of Ghost Riders yes. going to Agents of Shield, plus they're they're relaunching the title I just saw today as well. They're getting a new comic book, and uh, that that took place that that version of Ghost Rider took place when I was out of comics for a while. So I don't I didn't even know there was a new Ghost Rider. Yeah. So when I found that out, I was like, oh shit, this sounds pretty cool. I want to know about this Ghost Rider, and well, I love and- the art. The, the art looks amazing. Have you seen the um, trailer for Luke Cage on Netflix? I just watched it today. You mean the one they just released today? Yes. Oh, my God. Was that great or what? Oh, my God. It cannot cannot come out fast enough. Holy moly. But that desperately made me want to read, like, all the Luke Cage I can get my hands on. right. So, yeah, that's, I mean, see, it's stuff like this where Marvel Unlimited is a great resource to have because you can go back... And get so many of these back issues that would be almost impossible to find. Exactly, because so, the problem is, what we ha- like the ones that we have at the store. If we have them, some of them might not be in the best shape, mm-hmm. and because we've gotten them from collections and yeah. stuff. But if we've got them, I mean, some of the more key issues you're going to pay money for, like because yeah. now there's all hype about it, and yeah. it's you know they, a thing. They gotta they gotta get their money's worth, like exactly. So yeah, I'm really excited to go learn more about this Ghost Rider, this, this new this new Ghost Rider kid whose name I forget now. Something Reyes, I think. I don't remember, unless I'm mixing up with Blue Beetle. Who knows what's happening? I was gonna say, Reyes is Blue Beetle's name. Uh-huh. Anyway, the new <laughs> Ghost Rider is is it looks really good. I I'm ashamed to to admit I didn't I didn't even know there was a new Ghost Rider. So. I'm I'm excited to go look back at it and and find out more about them. So that's one of the pluses to digital comics. And uh and in a hilarious twist of fate, um I don't know what book it is, but I just got a notice on my computer through my, you know, my mail app that my comicsology payment has been received for my new for my new book. So obviously <laughs> something just came out today or is coming out this this week. That I've just paid for it. I don't. I don't really know what it is. I'm assuming Invader Zim. I don't really have many subscriptions, so <laughs> that was pretty. That was a pretty funny way to end this. And for me, maybe not for anybody else, but I just got. Oh him. no, you're right. It's Robbie Reyes. Robbie Ray. Boom. You're right. Damn. Now I have to figure out what the hell Blue Beetle's name is. Is it Jaime Reyes? I think so. Look at all these awesome Latino characters I'm getting. Should that be our next? Should that be our next? Uh, <laughs> Thing. Latinos, Latino uh, comic book characters. Strong Latino comic characters. Oh, I was right. Javier. Jaime Reyes is Blue Beetle. It is. Listen, Angel, I don't, I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm a better, I'm a better Hispanic than you, and I'm not even Hispanic. You're a better Googler than I. Nope, that's not true. <laughs> I'm more in touch with the Hispanic community than you are, and I'm the whitest person you've ever met. How does that make you feel? Oh. Ugh. I don't know. Pretty white. Yeah, well, <laughs> congratulations. And on that note, 
Angel, is there anything you'd like to say before we get on out of here? Um, not really. Okay. I enjoy everything. Love, Any way you can get a book I in your a comic book in your hands, I approve of. Okay. Whether it's digital or physical or coming into your comic book shop and hanging out for a while, come visit us. We love to chat with you. So Awesome. I have spoken at length about everything I wanted to say today. You you are all very welcome. Um, so next time we visit you, I think our theme is going to be graphic novel memoirs. I've been wanting to do that for a while. Woot. It's one of my favorite genres in graphic novels. It's one of your favorite genres in graphic novels. Oh, yeah. And I think there's a person that I've been communicating with on Twitter who might want to chime in as well. So I will reach out to that person. But if you are also a person who likes graphic novel memoirs, you have two weeks if you like to share your your favorite titles. If you want to just send us notes, you can do that. Or email us at librariansassemble at gmail.com. And if you want to be a part of the show, I, I can set that up. We can record, talk about your feelings on graphic novel memoirs. Please follow us on Twitter. It's at Assemble Podcast. Visit us on the web at librariansassemble.com. And rate, review, and subscribe wherever you are. I don't think... I didn't check before we started. I don't think there are new reviews. There hardly ever are people. Um, (laughs) We're doing better than some other podcasts. But (laughs) we could be doing better overall. Yeah, no new reviews. So, um, what do we have to do, people? What do we have to do to get you to leave reviews? I mean, we put our heart and soul into this, man. We do. You can't just take two seconds out of your day. Is this what it takes? Do I have to browbeat you? I got my kid on a white noise machine so that I could have enough sleep to do this podcast. Angel is going on no (laughs) sleep. And she's bringing you notes. And she's bringing you thoughts. And the least you can do for her is write a review. Write me a review, people. Rate review and subscribe that's all we ask we're not asking you for money nope we tried asking you for patreon and i realized that was a terrible (laughs) terrible decision (laughs) we're not asking you for money we're not asking you for patreon support nope all i'm asking is some rating reviewing and subscribing exactly so please do that though for real It, it real it really will help us and it makes us feel like we're not talking into the void so no I know we're not because I see our numbers as far as subscribers, so I know there are listeners out there. So if you're one of them and you haven't rated, reviewed, or subscribed yet, please take a minute to do so. Tell your friends to take a minute to do so. Tell your family members to take a minute to do so. Even if you don't listen on iTunes, if you could just make a dumb iTunes account for a second and rate, review, subscribe on there. Um, that is the biggest podcast distributor in in the world so their rankings really do matter so i'm not trying to put down google play we're on google play we're on player.fm we're on stitcher we're on all a lot of the the great places and they're all great apps but if you can please leave a review at itunes because that is kind of like the gold standard so help help a brother and sister out and yes. if you want to talk about graphic novel memoirs, you know where to hit us up now. Librariansassemble at gmail.com or at Assemble Podcast. Those are the best ways to get a hold of us. And until then, um, 
I was about to steal a line from a podcast I've been obsessed with lately, and I, you know, I think I'm gonna do it anyways. Until then, stay sexy and don't get murdered. Yes. <laughs> All right, Angel, we're getting out of here. Peace. Bye.